vision of things to come when people will come here, not because they want to see their children, but because they love God and they love hearing his word. Isn't that great when people will have a heart for that? And we look forward to that day. If you want to uh, join me this morning, are we on, Luke, or do I need to wait? We're going. Okay. You can turn your Bible to Acts 9, and then also uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 12. for 
that is an inroad into heavenly experiences. Some people have them without having that speaking in tongues. Brooke called me and she said, I had this dream. Several weeks later, this happened. What do you call that? That's called a prophetic dream. When the Lord shows you something in your dream and it comes to pass, you had visited the heavenly realms. Did you get that she was asleep? Did you know only our body sleeps? Our spirit never sleeps. <coughs> only the physical body. So God is able to access or have communication with us all the time. And our prayer should be seeking that. Like David said, show me your ways. That should be our prayer so that we're asking, Lord, I want to know what it is that you have for me today, this week, this year. A lot of people going into January <coughs> will make New Year's resolutions. And usually by February 1st, they're already trashed. You know how many people sign up for gym memberships in January? And by February, they are no longer going. One month yet, they paid for a whole year to attend. But things get in the way of their commitment to go. We should be looking for the new year 2020. What a profound year that it's 2020. What do we use 2020 for? It's, it's our eyesight. Who wants 2020 vision? That's the best you can have. What if we had 2020 vision in the Lord this coming year? That's my challenge for this congregation is to pray. Father, I want 2020 vision in the spirit this year. See, I don't know if we're praying for any spiritual gifts. Specifically. Yes, but yet the Lord visited me in that manner. And what I said to you, Nicole, last week, that's a spiritual gift of prophetic word. It was also a word of knowledge that I knew something you hadn't disclosed to me. That's not prophetic knowledge. The prophetic word was that what the Lord was telling you how to handle the situation. Those are gifts, and they're not meant only to be used by the pastor or ministers. They're meant for the body of Christ, to strengthen the body of Christ, to grow the body of Christ, to be a healthy body of Christ. So let's get back to this. Paul is telling you his experience that happened 14 years ago. Now let's turn back to about 14 years ago in Paul's life into the book of Acts. Chapter 9. Jesus. 
who had already ascended. Paul, Saul was a Christian killer. He hated Christians. He detested them. His mission was to destroy this new uprising of followers of Christ and wipe them out. And when he uh, could not kill them personally, he was the one arranging that, plotting that, designing for that to happen. He was such an antichrist that the only way the Spirit of God could get to him is Christ appeared to him in his glory. And it was the glory of Christ that was so bright, so white, so brilliant that it blinded him for three days. You know, every time we have a, a, a what do you call it when the moon covers and the sun eclipse, we have to warn children, do not look at the sun, it will blind you. Did you hear that growing up in elementary school? You cannot look at the sun, it will blind you. Think of that and how Paul, when Christ appeared to him, it blinded him, it knocked him to his knees, and he had to be led around by people, fumbling, because he couldn't see anything around him. A radical change from instantly Christian killer to becoming a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Almost unbelievable. So unbelievable that God had to send a prophetic word to the people he was sending to. I'm sending this man Saul, the, the crazy Christian killer, but he's been uh, uh, and he's been saved, and you're to receive him. Oh, I know people who can't receive ministers because of their crazy past. And they didn't even murder anybody. <laughs> and the church rejects them because they have tattoos, piercings, and former gang membership. <laughs> they had to give Paul a prophetic introduction into the Christian community so that they would not be afraid. And I'm telling you, in this case, I would have my doubts. Okay, we're going to let him in, but we got to watch to make sure he don't slide back into what he used to be doing. <laughs> Julie and I were talking about how easily everyone's a Christian in the Bible now, but we don't see their lives being changed at all. And, and it's really not for us to look and see if their life has changed. Unless they're standing up there, then we know we're not going to follow somebody whose life hasn't been changed. <laughs> But I say, yeah, sometimes when I'm feeling judgmental, I just think, it must be, suck to be God. If I look at all these people and I'm just shaking my head, how does God feel? He feels like he feels when he looks at me and he sees me in, in Christ Jesus. And I'm so glad he doesn't see me because even if you don't see my weaknesses, my sins, my imperfections, they're there. And I'll tell you right now, and I'll tell you, don't ever elevate me and say, oh, I want to be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. He's the one who never fails. I'm telling you right now, I fail. Because 
me that fails is the flesh. Although I've grown to be a lot better in some ways, I still have a long way to go. And I still make mistakes that went out right after I do it. I'm sorry and I'm ashamed and I'm embarrassed that I wasn't more mature to handle it in a better way. Now, if you've perfected above me, yay, good for you. But I'm just keeping it real for me so you don't ever get disappointed because as a human, I can be disappointing. But Paul moved in to this community immediately. And let's go back and see where he says in the word what he did. <clears throat> Then the disciples took him by night 
Oh, let me see. But their laying many at, but their laying awake was known of Saul. That means the believers were there watching out for him. And they watched the gates day and night. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. And I want to stop there. I want you to think about that. Because many of us that have the story in Sunday school of how Paul was let down out of the window on the, down the wall of the city to safety by night. Because obviously there was some reconnaissance. They knew where they were staying. They were just waiting for the opportune moment to grab him and kill him. Let me assure you today, anytime you do something for Christ, be guaranteed that the world of darkness is already pushing against that. The demonic atmosphere is plotting to keep you from doing what Christ has called you to do. I did not say be afraid of that. I said be aware of that. Because when you're aware of that, you can say, aha, I know what that is, and I will not be afraid because I am more powerful than that source that is against me through Jesus Christ, not in our own power. And Damascus, I knew I might forget, so I wrote it down. The meaning of the word Damascus is a sackcloth weaver. This town was known for their skill, their industry, was weaving a basket that would keep grain dry in its transport. Oh, there was a master sackcloth weaver at this point. And he was already preparing a way of escape when the metaphorically goes deeper because the sackcloth this time was holding the golden grain of the word of Christ that was ready to be planted in all nations. So you can imagine as Saul is being let down out of that window through the gated wall of the city, he had to trust in those that were holding on to the ropes of the basket that was holding him down. In blackness of night, he was going down the side of the wall, not seeing who was above him, not seeing who was above him. It may have even been at that experience that then he was caught up in the of heaven because he was saying it happened 14 years ago. I don't know the date, but I know that when we are brought to the position where we have nothing that we can do on our own, that that's when we look to God because we recognize I have no power. You're hanging in the basket. You can 
choice or you can hold on by faith and believe that you are being transported to your destination. We all go through those cycles on earth where it's a death, burial, and resurrection. Oh, I don't think many of us knew when we got baptized how real that symbolism is. When we go down, we're dying with Christ Jesus. We're being buried, and everything we were is there. And we come up a new creature in Christ Jesus. But that's just the beginning. That's just a picture of what this life is. And we're thinking everything's coming up roses now because I know Christ. And you don't know. You just entered a battlefield in the kingdom of God. Oh, somebody ought to get excited. There are children here who think war is great. You know what little boys want to be? I hear it over and over. They go through phases. They want to be cops. They want to be soldiers. See? Who wants to be a cop? Raise your hand if you like to be cops. Two of them. Oh, a fourth one. Again, a brave rescuer. may be in a situation right now that may feel like it's killing us. But God brings us to that place 
again and again until we are able to die to ourselves and come up more mature or new in him. Can someone say amen? Because I'm preaching my heart out this morning and you're just looking at me and this is a tremendous message. We didn't have lights, a fog machine, and entertainment this morning. But we have the word of God that you can take with you tomorrow because some churches are shouting, running, falling out this morning and tomorrow they'll be calling in to their boss because they'll be so overwhelmed by circumstances they can't even report to work and earn the money they need. And it amazes me how many people have told me in the past of how much they need money and when I could not be their source, then they quit their job to look for another one. Now, Dr. Jim, you're going to teach economics this semester. Does that make sense, to quit a job and go look for another one and have, when you already need money, and so you say, well, I'll go without a paycheck the next two weeks while I look for a job. Insanity. Economics, teacher, doctor, tell us, is that insane? I can't tell people you're crazy. I just have to look and say, you do what you think is best for you. Oh, and let me let it go, God. Let it go! <laughs> I sing song for last year. <laughs> we have these. Maybe not like Paul. I experienced it when I came here. Earned my PhD, Dr. Deborah. Oh, I can make people call me that. I call Dr. Jim now because I want people to know we have that on our staff. That's why I don't promote that. They could care less. Or maybe he does care. <laughs> but I chose to go as pastor, shepherd, caretaker. It's not an important title. I went from being a therapist to being a professional to be the profession that many people don't count worthy at all. I went from being associate pastor to the head pastor of this lovely, small congregation. You know what people judge pastors by? How large is your congregation and how much money do you bring in? If you, in a capitalist America, if you are those two things, you are highly successful. So you can see how I raised. <laughs> I went from being a wife and a co-parent to a widow and a senior parent. How many of those two things have stigma in our culture? Every culture hates widows. You know why? Somebody's got to pay to take care of them. <laughs> Even in America. Why they hate single mothers? Somebody's gonna help pay for those kids. And overnight, I became that. I went from it really should be six-digit figure income to a low income. I'm not complaining. I God provides my need. I just want to tell you how you're perceived by the world when you go from this to that. I went from having family and friends to having only my daughter's with me, who was 
Developmentally, which they're only a two year old. So when we see them act like that, let's just try to tune in and hear the word, hear the spirit, and let the spirit deal with the baby Christians. Right? Amen? Amen. Amen. Gigi, you feel better now, baby? Gigi? Gigi, do you feel better now? Amen. Say amen.
how overwhelming life can be dangerous sometimes. I'll tell you what David said when he was in the pits. I mean, he, was, he had to dig himself out to even look up. He said, someone leads me to that rock that's bigger than I. Woo! Yes. I thought, I thought she was taking us right through the rock and I got there. Yes. Jim, I said, forgive her, Lord. She don't know what she did. <laughs> <laughs> so, all as we put together, I was sitting there thinking, he finalized it just like that. He, he brought up a lot of these points in his life, and he had no, no, no way to handle it. What am I going to do? And then he told the congregation or those that were with him, someone needs to be wrong. Oh, that's what we need in our life today. Teaching like this that will bring us to that rock. Will we won't be contemplating so much about us, but we'll be thinking about that old rock that we carried from Egypt. David laid his head on it. It was the house of God. And then the Hebrew said the Hebrew. And you know, I I never heard anyone ever speak about the rock being the one to talk about this point. But Jesus just said to Peter, he said, Peter, who do men say that I am? And Jesus said, upon this rock, not to you, upon this rock that they carried all the way from the wilderness to the Egypt, which ended up here, and on this rock I will build my church. And you know what? We're on that rock this morning. Oh, thank you for that encouraging message. I needed it. <laughs> and it's good to have my youngest daughter. Thank you. Look at the 20s. Here. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been around the block a couple of times. Well, you know what? If you would just whistle, I'd have come and gone. <laughs> my phone was dead. <laughs> Thinking the Lord this morning. I bumble buzzed around the other 
last time I was up here, I felt ashamed of myself. But God touched me since then. I feel good this morning. If she hadn't done such a good job, I'd just go ahead and preach. God bless you. <laughs> it's good to have you. And we ask you to pray for the uh, congregation and uh, and pray for one another. Don't gripe about people. Pray for them. Father, we are so grateful this morning for the mercy you extended to us. To know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You change not. You're our God that is from everlasting to everlasting. And your word is established forever. And you uh, gave us this promise that you'd never leave us and you'd never forsake us. Thank you for that promise, Lord. We're going to lean on it this morning. And when we are uh, frustrated in life, we're going to find someone that will lead us to the rock. And let's be one that if need be, that we can lead people to the rock. And we will praise and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.